We welcome everybody here, and we welcome everybody on the live stream. This is the first time I think I've ever live streamed directly to YouTube, so this is new. We're trying it out. Is everything, is it showing up okay, Tisha? We're good right now? I mean, on the phone right there? It's good? Okay. We welcome everybody from there. And we'll get started here. I will have a word of prayer. And then we'll get into our Father's Word. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you for all that you do for us. We ask that you would help bless this teaching today. Father, I pray that you would bring things back to my memory. I pray that you would allow me to be able to get across the thoughts and the ideas and the concepts that I've learned from Bible study. I pray, Yahweh, you would correct me where I'm in error and you would encourage me in the places where I'm in the truth. Let me be able to reach every level of understanding here today. And I will thank you and give you all the praise for it. We thank you, Father, through your Son, Yeshua of Nazareth, I pray. Amen. Hallelujah. So, the... Uh, The lesson today is titled, How Holy is the New Moon? Last time I taught this lesson, and I mentioned it before in our Sabbath services uh, off and on for the last, oh, long time. But the last time I taught this lesson was back in 2011, and I taught it at a little home fellowship in North Carolina. I was invited to go to a fellowship where the majority of the people that were there, which there was probably about 30 or 40, were traditional Sabbath keepers from Friday evening to Saturday evening. And I was asked to come and teach two sessions, one on the new moon and then one on the Sabbath. And so there was, oh, probably could count on one hand the people that observed the lunar Sabbath like myself. So it was interesting. It was, uh, it was a fun time. Brother Arnold was with me and we had a good time and had a lot of questions. They kept me up so late one night, I finally had to tell them I got to go to bed because we were doing a two-day meeting and I had to go to bed and get some rest. <laughs> so we had one of those sessions where I'm answering questions and uh, we veer away from the New Moon and Sabbath topic and then they want to ask me questions about everything else in the Bible, like from A to Z. And so some some of the answers I didn't know. But it was fun, but it's been a long time. And what prompted me to teach... This lesson today, and then the one I'm going to teach for our Sabbath service, is last month when we had our Bible study mid-month, I, uh, I felt like I was jumping the gun because everybody wasn't up to speed or on the exact same page here at the congregation. So I try to make the lessons that I teach easy to understand. Uh, that is the mark, I think, of a good scholar or a good teacher. Anybody can get up here and sound complicated. It's not hard to sound complicated. That's the easy thing. But what's hard is, is when you study the scriptures to try to simplify them and make it where everybody can comprehend and everybody can understand, even if you just grab a point or two here and there. So back in 1998, that's when this all began for me in my life. In 1998, I ran across a couple of Bible verses that mentioned the new moon. And at that time, I, at, at the time, what I'm about to share to you was unknown territory for me completely. I became a Sabbatarian. I kept Sabbath from Friday evening to Saturday evening beginning early 1997 before I was married. That was something in and of itself because I worked at a Christian bookstore for People who owned the bookstore that were avid Sunday churchgoers. And I had to have a little meeting with them and told them I would no longer be able to work on Saturday. And before I knew it, everybody in the church <laughs> knew that Matthew was going to be keeping Sabbath on Saturday. So that's when it all began for me as regards to the Sabbath. But in 98, I ran across a couple of new moon texts. I'd never heard of celebrating the new moon at that time. Uh, there's times in our life where truths that we now believe and hold to dearly, we never heard of any of them, right? I mean, uh, I remember 
the first time I heard the sacred name. And I was like, that sounds like a cult. That sounds wrong. Uh, because I didn't know. I had no clue. And um, so this new moon thing was, it was cool to me. It was different. I wanted everybody to see it back then. And uh, it's just like when we get so excited about a truth we see and then we try to take it to everybody and we think everybody's going to be just as excited as we are and it doesn't always happen that way, right? So how it began is I had ran across two texts. Both texts we're going to go over today. One in the book of Isaiah and the other one in the book of Amos. Those were the initial two texts I had run across. And I was driving up to a meeting in Tennessee Brother Arnold was in the passenger seat, and I told Brother Arnold, I said, I was a little hesitant because he and I had never talked about this, but he was my father-in-law. I'd recently been married, and I said, Brother Arnold, I said, I ran across a couple of passages about the new moon in the Bible, and I want to know what you think about them. And at the time, you know, we didn't have smartphones, but he had this little Franklin Bible computer, and he pulled it out of his briefcase, and you could buy them at the Christian bookstore for, I think, about $100. It was so neat. I cherish that Bible computer until now. I got a smartphone, and it outruns it by many, many miles. <laughs> but he punched up Isaiah 66, 22 through 23, and Amos 8, 1 through 5 on his Franklin Bible computer. And he read them, and he got quiet, and he said, I think you might be on to something here, Matthew. And so then it had the ability to search and so he searched the word new moon or the phrase new moons or the phrase the beginnings of your months or the phrase first day of the month. And we found about 45 times where the Bible mentioned the new moon. And in the hours that it took us to get from Conyers, Georgia to Knoxville, Tennessee, by the time we got to Tennessee, we were new moon keepers. <laughs> we were. As a matter of fact, Brother Arnold changed his sermon. He was going to teach on one thing. He changed his sermon. He said, I'm going to teach on the new moons. He said, this is brand new to us. We just now walked into this a few hours ago. I'm going to teach about it. So that's how it began with me in 1998. So if this is brand new to you, anybody here or anybody listening by way of the live stream, but you might be a feast keeper or a Sabbath keeper. Think about it in relation to the middle days of, let's say, Sukkot. It would also work for unleavened bread, but we're really there's really less people on board for unleavened bread. Even though I think we should be, there's less on board for unleavened bread than there are Sukkot. What I mean is this, is during Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles, you have a Sabbath day at the beginning of the feast and you have a Sabbath day at the end of the feast. Uh, the Torah calls them the first day and the eighth day um, in various places. Uh, but then you have the middle days where they are still feast days. Remember, Sukkot is a seven-day feast, right? And so I wondered this specifically last week, and I'm going to throw this out there. I'm not even sure I hadn't meditated on this enough to make a, a choice on it, but I'm wondering now if the, the middle days of Sukkot are really even classified as the six working days. And I wonder that because during the feasts, they were pilgrim feasts. Unleavened bread, Pentecost, and tabernacles were pilgrim feasts. And unless you lived in Jerusalem, you traveled to go to the feast. And so you weren't doing things like you would normally do them throughout the year. You would travel. And while you were there at the feast, what would you do? You would sing. You would eat. You would drink. You would study the Torah. You would fellowship. You would sit by the campfire. You'd blow the shofar. It was abnormal from what you would do throughout the remainder of the year. So think about the new moon. I'm not saying it's 100% exact same way. But think about it in relation to the middle days of Sukkot, where they're feast days, where you might have to do something on those middle days, but generally you're with the community of Israel and you're celebrating the festival. That's kind of what I want to present today. And I think that this would be even more pronounced if we went to Jerusalem, Yerushalayim, like Yeshua did for about 33 years. Even when he was a young boy, Luke 2 said they would go up to Jerusalem at the feast. And that's talking about the feast of Passover and unleavened bread there at the end of Luke chapter 2. So I'm going to start going to the scriptures 
by looking at the prophets. That may sound a little bit strange. One might wonder why I'm not starting with what we commonly think of as the Torah. Usually when we say Torah, we think of first five books, Pentateuch, Genesis through Deuteronomy. That's not precisely accurate, but that's how we think of it. The reality here is that beginning with the prophets is actually beginning with the Torah. Uh, we just have a faulty understanding of what the Torah is. I want to share two points of clarification here. The first is that there is a stress in Scripture upon the law and the prophets. A lot of times you just see the word law mentioned. Next, do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. Matthew seven twelve. Whatsoever you would that men do to you, do ye likewise to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Matthew twenty two forty. On all these commandments hang or something like that, the law and the prophets. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets, something to that effect. So those of us in the pro Torah camp often stress to others that Yeshua's mission was not to abolish the law, but we sometimes miss the fact that he also mentions the prophets in the very same context. Showing that the prophets of Yahweh held equal weight with the law of Moshe, both speaking under direction and inspiration of Yahweh. Some more texts will be Acts 13.15, Acts 24.14, and Romans 3.21 to go along with those in Matthew. Uh, secondarily, secondarily, one needs to be aware that the prophets... And even the writings, Psalms and Proverbs, are also referred to as Torah, or the law, by Yeshua of Nazareth and by Shaul, or who we call the Apostle Paul in the Apostolic Scriptures. Yeshua tells some Jewish leaders, is it not written in your law, in John chapter 10 verse 34, and then he quotes from Psalm 82, and they didn't buck at the quotation. So when he quoted from Psalm 82... I said, ye are Elohim. I said, ye are gods. And the word of God or the scriptures cannot be broken. They didn't buck because they understood that the Psalms there was Torah. And in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 21, Paul writes, in the law it is written, where he's talking about the gift of languages. But then when Paul quotes the Torah, he quotes from the prophet Isaiah. And so Torah is more than what we are accustomed to thinking, just the Pentateuch. So, in two of the texts that we're about to read from the prophets, there is a, thus saith Yahweh. So, Torah means what? Teachings and instructions. Specifically, teaching and instructions of Yahweh. So, when Yahweh speaks, it's Torah. If a scripture says, Yahweh declares, or thus saith Yahweh, you're about to hear an instruction, it's Torah. The prophet on earth is standing in the place of Yahweh to bring his message to a group of people. Uh, one thing that you need to put in your um, spiritual backpack to remember is that the word, the prefix pro in the word prophet or prophet functions in the same way as uh, the prefix in the word pronoun. It's uh, Pronoun is, is a word that stands in place of a noun. A prophet or prophet is a person who stands in the place of Yahweh. It's not that he is Yahweh, but that when a prophet speaks, it's Yahweh speaking through his Shaliach, his messenger, his his agent. So prophets didn't just foretell the future. They gave instruction and guidance to the people. Let's get into the texts. Ezekiel chapter 46, verse 1. This is a key text. Key text. It says, Thus says the Lord Yahweh, or Adonai Yahweh, The gate of the inner court that looks toward the east shall be shut the six working days, but on the Sabbath day it shall be opened, and on the day of the new moon it shall be opened. The prince shall enter by way of the porch of the gate outside and shall stand by the post of the gate and the priest shall prepare his burnt offering and his peace offerings and he shall worship at the threshold of the gate. Then he shall go out. But the gate shall not be shut until evening. The people of the land shall worship at the door of that gate before Yahweh on the Sabbaths and on the new moons. I want you to notice here that the new moon is different from the Six work days. And it's different from the six work days in the same context as the Sabbaths. Sabbatarians have no problem acknowledging the Sabbath here as distinct from the work days. If you show this text to a Sabbatarian and you say, look, the Sabbath is different from the six work days, 
They will agree, they will applaud. The new moon, however, is mentioned in the same breath as the Sabbath. The new moon is not the Sabbath, but it's mentioned in the same breath as the Sabbath as being distinct or different from the six work days. Notice the gate is open on and new moons. Worship is done on Sabbaths and new moons. Now, one might say, well, Brother Matthew, we worship Yahweh every day, and I appreciate that sentiment. Some people, when I witness to them about the Sabbath, they say, you know, Jesus is our Sabbath. We can we can rest in Him every day. I appreciate the sentiment and the spiritual connotation, the allegorical connotation there. In some sense of the word, I have no problem with that, but that doesn't negate the physical, actual commandment. And if we hold that true for the Sabbath, then we should hold that true for the new moon. This is special. This is special. You can worship Yahweh on the six working days that are mentioned here as a way of life. Everything we do in life is a worship in some sense of the word. But there are special days that Yahweh deems to be sacred. So, I read this in Ezekiel 46 and I thought, well, if I, if I argue with the prophet here, I'm arguing with Yahweh. He's standing in the place of Yahweh. The text starts out, thus says Adonai, Yahweh. In 2 Peter 1, I knew that text, verses 19 through 21, it says that when prophets spoke in old times, they didn't speak on their own accord or give their own private interpretation. They spoke under the inspiration of the Spirit of Yahweh. They were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So instead of leaning to my own understanding and saying, well, maybe, maybe you know, I'm, I'm missing something here. I finally just submitted to what Yahweh said and I figured, well, Yahweh knows best and Ezekiel knows best here and what they're talking about. After most of these verses, I'm going to give one quote from a reference work just to show you that I'm not some kind of lunatic, pun intended. <laughs> I'm not some kind of lunatic that came up with this, but there are scholarly references and resources that back up everything that I'm saying here. This one is from the IVP Bible Background Commentary. This is an excellent, excellent book. John Walton, Victor Matthews, and Mark Cavallis put this together. It says, quote, New Moon's significance, key to their use of a lunar calendar, ancient Israel marked the first day of the month, which is New Moon phase, as a festival day every 29 or 30 days. As on the Sabbath, all work was to cease. See Amos 8, 5. And there were sacrifices to be made. Numbers 28, 11 through 15. The festival continued to be observed in the post-exilic period, Ezra 3.5, Nehemiah 10.33. New moon festivals were also prominent in Mesopotamia from late in the third millennium down to the Neo-Babylonian period in the middle of the first millennium B.C. The cult of the moon was widespread throughout the ancient Near East, and the moon deities figured prominently in mythological texts. Although the Israelites were forbidden to worship any heavenly bodies, including the lunar cult, Deuteronomy 23.5, Jeremiah 8.2, they were allowed to celebrate the first of the month with trumpets and burnt offerings. End of that quote, and that is the IVP Bible Background Commentary Note on Ezekiel 46, verse 1. The next text we're going to look at is Isaiah 66, 22-23. Two translations here. First, World English Bible, more of a word-for-word -word rendition. For as the new heavens and the new earth which I will make shall remain before me, says Yahweh, so your offspring and your name shall remain. It shall happen that from one new moon to another and from one Sabbath to another, all flesh will come to worship before me, says Yahweh. Same verses, Good News Bible, just as the new earth and the new heavens will endure my, by my power, so your descendants and your name will endure on every new moon festival and every Sabbath. People of every nation will come to worship me here in Jerusalem, says the Lord or Yahweh. The context of this text is future, new heavens and new earth. But I say a future, why not now? Sabbatarians do not object to the Sabbath here. As a matter of fact, this is one of the most famous texts that you will hear quoted by Seventh-day Adventists. They love this text because they say if we're going to keep the Sabbath in the future, and they kept the Sabbath in the past... And Yeshua kept the Sabbath, or Jesus kept the Sabbath when he walked. Why aren't we keeping the Sabbath now? Is this the only time period in history that we're not supposed to be keeping the Sabbath? And I say, amen, brother and sister. Pat them on the back. SDA, that's a great point. These are special out-of-the-ordinary days from one Sabbath to another. 
But in the exact same context, and this, once again, notice at the end, says Yahweh. It says Yahweh speaking. It's Torah. The new moon is mentioned. New moon festival or one new moon to another. Notice it's just not one or two new moons. It's every new moon. From one new moon to another. From one Sabbath to another. It's every Sabbath and every new moon. I've heard Sabbatarians use this verse to promote Sabbath keeping. But usually, at least back then, I don't talk about it as much now. I was real zealous for it back then. (laughs) I'm still zealous for it now, but I don't talk about it as much. But when I started pointing out the new moon in the same context and said, look, if we're going to use the verse to say that we've got to keep the Sabbaths holy, then what about the new moons? Well, then all the excuses start popping up. I posted this point the other day on social media with a brief comment, brief comment. And I said, basically, I don't want to neglect the Sabbath, but I also don't want to neglect the new moon. And one person gave this response, and I quote, this is an exact response, quote, so now we have to accept new moon festivals to accept the gospel and be born again, end of quote. Notice how that the objection given was only towards the new moon. It's because this person was a Sabbatarian. No objection is given to the Sabbath. I wasn't teaching necessarily the gospel, although I do think this is a kingdom text and part of the gospel of the kingdom. I think we truncate the gospel down to the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, and that's just not the totality of the gospel. I think we mess up there. So, yeah, I think this is part of the gospel message right here in Isaiah 66. I don't necessarily think that you have to believe this or see this to be forgiven of your sin, as the person calls born again, but I believe somebody that is forgiven of their sin and born again when they're presented with truth the Holy Spirit will work on their heart and they'll walk into truth as He shows it to them throughout the remainder of their life. Consistency demands that we apply the same sacred worship that takes place on the Sabbath to taking place on one new moon to another. This is from the Kyle and Dalich commentary. Note on Isaiah 66:23. quote, New moons and Sabbaths will still be celebrated therefore, And the difference is simply this, that just as all Israel once assembled in Jerusalem at the three great feasts, all flesh now journey to Jerusalem every new moon and every Sabbath. Next text is Amos 8, 4 through 6. This is another prophet here. I'd like to point out one more mention of the new moon by a prophet, prophet Amos. This is actually the very first text, even before Isaiah, This is the first text that caught my eye that I wanted to share with my father-in-law back in 98. I was a Sabbatarian back then, and my studies in the Bible led me to not work or buy and sell on the Sabbath. But when I began to read Amos 8, specifically verse 5, context of verse 4 through 6, I wondered why I just went about my business on the day of the new moon. I did mark the new moon during the major feast months. First month and seventh month, unleavened bread, tabernacles, the great pilgrim feasts. And I marked the new moon so I I could count my days from it and know on the tenth day the lambs put up in the first month or on the tenth day in the seventh month is Yom Kippur, Day of Atonement. But after I marked it, I never really paid much attention to the moon. As a matter of fact, before I started keeping new moon and even more so lunar Sabbaths, I didn't really pay attention to the moon at all. Most people don't. Most people only recognize when the moon is full. I'm an avid, I'm an avid Andy Griffith watcher. Brother Sandy, I love the Andy Griffith show. Barney told Andy on one of the episodes, he said, there's going to be a moon out tonight. And I'm thinking, there's a moon out many nights. <laughs> but what he meant was it's a full moon. And he was wanting to take his girl to the duck pond on the full moon. <laughs> so that was kind of me before I started keeping new moons and Sabbaths. I didn't really pay attention to the moon. Now I pay great attention to it. And we're so blessed. Brother Michael and I were talking about how that technology can be a curse, but it can be a blessing. It just depends on how you use it. But we're so blessed now. I've got three or four moon apps on my phone. I can tell you when when the full moon is going to be in 2032, 10 years from now. It's amazing. It is amazing. Technology is so wonderful in that regard. It can bless us. After I looked at this Amos text, even my very first look, I knew there was something that I was missing. 
Amos 8, 4 through 6, World English Bible. Hear this, you who desire to swallow up the needy and cause the poor of the land to fail, saying, When will the new moon be gone that we may sell grain, and the Sabbath that we may market wheat, making the ephah small and the shekel large, and dealing falsely with the balances of deceit, that we may buy the poor for silver and the needy for a pair of shoes, and sell the sweepings with the wheat. Now let's read it from the New English Translation. Listen to this, you who trample the needy and do away with the destitute in the land. You say, when will the new moon festival be over so we can sell grain? When will the Sabbath end so we can open up the grain bins? We're eager to sell less for a higher price and to cheat the buyer with rigged scales. We're eager to trade silver for the poor, a pair of sandals for the needy. We want to mix in some chaff with the grain. Now, we don't see a thus saith Yahweh here. Do you notice that in those verses? We don't see thus saith Yahweh. But, but, we've got to remember to read above and below. Remember the 2020 rule I taught on before. person gives you one verse, at least read 20 verses before and 20 verses after. We want to have 2020 scriptural vision. Okay. If you go back to verse 1 in Amos 8, guess what it says? Thus the sovereign Yahweh showed me. And in verses 2 through 3, it says, He said, Yahweh said, says the sovereign Yahweh. Verses 4 through 6 then are Yahweh speaking through the prophet, just like in Ezekiel and Isaiah. Now, I realize Yahweh is quoting the greedy traders of the land here. He says, you know, you say, when will the new moon be gone? But this is Yahweh speaking, and through Yahweh quoting them, he's, he's giving us the understanding that they acknowledge the sanctity of the new moons and Sabbaths. They just don't care. They don't care. When will the new moon be over with? We can't sell... What we want to sell. We can't market our wheat. When will the Sabbath be over with? I actually think Amos 8 happened at the end of the month where we have the last Sabbath of the month and a new moon that follows it. Because sometimes people get antsy. We're humans. We're flesh. We get antsy when we have one day of no work and no buying and no selling. But you put a second day in there and we get really antsy. Especially if we're a greedy trader. <laughs> when will it be over with? Doggone it. We want to sell. We want to do our false scales and unjust weights and, and measures. That's what the context is. It's greedy traders seeking to sell grain and market wheat unjustly. But they were restrained in their efforts. Why were they restrained? Not because somebody was tying their hands necessarily, but simply because there were faithful Israelites that when these days came around, they stopped their ordinary activities. It's not a sin to buy and sell. It's not a sin to practice commerce, but... There are days where that stops. New moons, Sabbaths, feast days. That stops. And we give Yahweh extra time because we don't have enough time during the work week always to study the Torah. So Yahweh gives us extra time. New moon, Sabbaths, and then seven day long feast in the spring and the fall to spend all week studying the Torah so that we learn more of the mysteries that Yahweh was ready to reveal to us if we just put in the effort to, to do a little bit of study. So this is a powerful text, I believe, showing how seriously many Israelites took the new moon. I once talked to a, an elder who was in his 70s one time that didn't observe the new moon like I did. After I got explaining it to him, got done explaining it to him, he's a very humble man. He was a Yahweh believer. He told me, he said, that's co very commendable of you, Matthew. Very commendable. He said, I'll have to look into it more. Because he saw it. He saw it. A light came on. Well, I started wondering when I read this text, I thought, well, what if the greedy tra traders wanted to sell something to me on the new moon? Would they be wondering when the new moon would be over with? Well, back then they would be wondering when the Sabbath would be over with if they tried to sell something to me because I wouldn't buy it on the Sabbath. But what about the new moon? Well, at the time I bought and sold on new moon, but soon thereafter I stopped that and haven't done so since. The John MacArthur Study Bible Amos 8, verse 5. Commentary. John MacArthur. These scholars, a lot of times they know. They don't practice, but they know. He says this, quote, Based on a lunar calendar, Israel would celebrate the day with a festival. Like the Sabbath, no work was to be done. 1 Samuel 25 through 6. 2 Kings 4, 23. Ezekiel 46, 3. The merchant's eagerness for the day to end revealed their appetite for greed. End of that quote from John MacArthur. The Cambridge Bible for schools and colleges, on their note on Amos 8, verse 5, says this, quote, 
The new moon, the first of the month, was observed as a popular holiday. 2 Kings 4.23, 1 Samuel 25, 1 Samuel 20.24. Marked by religious services, Isaiah 1, Hosea 2, and often in later writings. See the reference, Numbers 28.11 through 15. From the present passage, which is Amos, it is apparent that, like the Sabbath, it was a day on which trade was suspended, and which accordingly was viewed by the grasping Israelitish merchants with impatience on account of the interruption which it occasioned in their unjust practices. End of that quote. I want to go from there to the new moon in the Pentateuch. That means the first five books of the Bible, what we would consider maybe the limited definition of Torah, Genesis through Deuteronomy. We want to go to Numbers chapter 10. In the book of Numbers 10, we find that Yahweh instructs Moshe on the making of two silver trumpets. He says, I want you to make two silver trumpets... And they're going to be used for the calling of the assembly and for the journeying of the camps. That's Numbers 10, verse 2. Yahweh tells Moses that when they sounded with them, plural, both trumpets, the entire congregation was to gather together for an assembly. But if only one trumpet was sounded, the elders or rulers alone were to approach Moshe, Numbers 10, 3 through 4. So there must have been a distinct and easy way to tell by the year if one or two trumpets were sounding. Okay, Both trumpets were to be blown on the day of the new moon in this text, in addition to the burnt offerings that were commanded. This is seen in Numbers 10, verse 10. Look at this. World English Bible. Also in the day of your gladness and in your set feasts and in the beginnings of your months. Beginnings of your months. Some Bibles say your new moons. You shall blow the trumpets over your burnt offerings and over the sacrifices of your peace offerings, and they shall be to you for a memorial before your Elohim. I am Yahweh, your Elohim, or your Mighty One. Good News Bible, also on joyful occasions at your new moon festivals and your other religious festivals, you are to blow the trumpets. Trumpets, plural, too. When you present your burnt offerings and your fellowship offerings, then I will help you. I am the Lord your God, or Yahweh, your mighty one. Both trumpets were blown on day of new moon. Thus, the congregation was called to assemble. Now, I should point out here that special offerings were to be offered on the day of the new moon, in addition to the regular daily burnt offerings. Remember, in Numbers 28 and 29, we have the record of how many offerings or what type of offerings are to be offered throughout the entire year. There was a daily sacrifice, even on the work days. There was an offering, one in the morning and one between the evenings in the afternoon. This happened every day. And then on the Sabbath, they would continue those two offerings, but then they would do additional offerings. And then at the new moon, at the beginnings of your months, they would do different offerings, additional ones, different from the Sabbath and not just the morning and evening sacrifice on the work days. So what that lets us know is we can't leave out the new moons. We can't group them in with the work days because the sacrifices that take place on the new moons are different from the sacrifices that take place on just the regular work days. Same thing with the, with the Sabbath. That's different as, as well. Benson, Joseph Benson, in his commentary, note, Numbers 28, verse 11, he says this, quote, In the beginning of your months... The third stated sacrifice was monthly to be offered on the first day of every month. This sacrifice to God is thought to have been ordained in opposition to the idolatry of the Gentiles who were wont to worship the new moon with great rejoicings. Besides the celebration of the new moon by sacrifices and the sound of trumpet, Numbers 10.10, the Jews were wont upon those days to assemble for receiving instruction from their prophets, 2 Kings 4.23, and to feast together, 1 Samuel 25 and 20.18. And it was customary on those days to shut up their shops and abstain from ordinary and servile labor, as is hinted, Amos 8, verse 5. I choose to interpret these two texts, Numbers 10, 1 through 10, and Numbers 28, 11 through 15. I interpret these texts as a commanded assembly and Holy Day on the New Moon. And it's because I don't really see anywhere else in the Pentateuch where the prophets would have gathered their information. Um, they must have gotten it from somewhere, if not here, where. I put this in my notes. 
because this is something I asked myself back then. Must I have a thou shalt worship on the new moon or can I learn from the prophets? Can I learn from the approved examples? Can I learn from the text in Numbers? Why do I only want to go by part of the Bible and not the whole Bible when I'm determining what I'm going to do and what I'm going to practice? Now, I should point out there is another text in the Pentateuch that gives us an approved example. We can't always go by examples of what men in the Bible did because sometimes they did wrong things. But we can go by approved examples in the Bible. And there is one in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 1, verse 3, where it says, In the fortieth year, in the eleventh month, on the first day of the month, Moshe spoke to the children of Israel according to all that Yahweh had given him in commandment to them. As a matter of fact, I remember I was so excited when I found this out. Almost the whole book of Deuteronomy, Brother Jeff, almost the entire book was Moses speaking on this new moon day. He was preaching on the new moon to the congregation. I mean, from here all the way to like chapter, I want to say 32 or 33, till it changes, you know, it shifts gears. Talks about his death there at the end of Deuteronomy. So here we have a, an approved example of an assembly on day of new moon where they're basically listening to the second giving of the Torah. Deuteronomy, second giving of the law. I want to go from here to some text of Scripture that associate the new moon in context with the annual festivals and also with the weekly Sabbaths. In other words, a lot of times in the Bible, it'll talk about new moons, I mean, excuse me, it'll talk about Sabbaths and feasts, and people that are Sabbatarians, they'll observe those, but it'll say Sabbaths, feasts, and new moons. And new moons kind of gets pushed to the side. It kind of gets pushed to the back burner on the stove, like we say. Put it on the back burner. We don't want to worry about it a whole lot. Um, but it's mentioned in the same context. And these give us a good implication to the new moon as a holy day, rather than just merely a beginning point for the months in our in our year. One of them is Isaiah 1. And this is a peculiar one because this is Yahweh reprimanding the Israelites, but we still can learn from it. He says here, World English Bible, Bring no more vain offerings. Incense is an abomination to me. New moons, Sabbaths, convocations. I can't stand evil assemblies. My soul hates your new moons, your appointed feasts. They are a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. Now, there were early church fathers in the Gentile Christian church that tried to use this verse to teach that under the Christian dispensation, the Lord doesn't want all those old Sabbaths anymore that the Jews kept. <laughs> but that's not the context. The context, how can I simplify it? The context is basically like this. Um, Yahweh is saying, if you're not going to serve me with your whole life, if you're not going to give me everything, then... I don't really want you coming to the feast. I don't really want you coming to the new moons. He even says here in the context, I hate your prayers. If you spread out your hands to pray, I won't listen. Now, that doesn't mean he hates all prayers. It doesn't mean you can't pray with a repentant heart and he won't hear. The opposite is true. He will hear a repentant heart. Um, basically, he's just saying, look, I, I want your whole life. It'd be like me treating my wife like dirt for a year and then all of a sudden I show up with you know, a bouquet of flowers. And she looks at me and she says, I don't want your flowers. I want you. <laughs> now, if I had been treating her properly and I bring her that, a gift or whatever, she'd be like, ah, that's that's wonderful, that's great. And that's what Yahweh's saying. Live for me. Live for me all the time. That way when you come to the feast, it'll be beautiful. That's the context of Isaiah 1. But I want you to notice it's mentioned not just Sabbaths and feasts, new moons are mentioned here as well. They're associated. New moons are associated with Sabbaths and feasts. Another one, Hosea 2, verse 11. This is a negative text about the carrying away to Babylon. It says, I will also cause all her celebrations to cease, her feasts, her new moons, her Sabbaths, and all her solemn assemblies. The solemn assemblies take place on the feasts, the new moons, and the Sabbaths. Yahweh here is punishing the Israelites for their sins driving them into Babylon and Assyria. And therefore, if you showed up to Jerusalem while they were in captivity, you wouldn't hear the sound of rejoicing and celebration and feasting and merriment on the new moon, Sabbaths, and feast. Why? Nobody was there. They had left. They were in captivity. 
another overlooked passage. David, can you get Dad a bottle of water, son? 2 Kings 4, 18-23. When the child was grown, one day he went out to his father, to the reapers. He said to his father, My head, my head. He said to his servant, Carry him to his mother. When he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees until noon and then he died. She went up and laid him on the man of Elohim's bed and shut the door on him and went out. Thank you, son. She called to her husband and said, Please send me one of your servants and one of the donkeys that I may run to the man of Elohim and come again. And he said, sometimes us husbands make silly statements. I don't know why he said this, but he said, Why would you want to go to him today? It is not a new moon or a Sabbath. And she said, it's all right. Now, you think he would know better if his child had just died. Let's go to the man of Elohim. We can't do anything for the child. Maybe the prophet will will heal our child. But notice the statement. The statement assumes that normally you went to visit prophets for instruction or spiritual guidance when? Not just on Sabbath, but also on the new moon. It would not be sinful to visit the man of Elohim on a working day. Let me stop and take a drink of water. It would not be sinful to visit the man of Elohim on a working day. But it would not be normal, shown here by the question. Why? Because you were out working. (laughs) You were out doing your own thing. But not so on Sabbaths. And not so, according to this text, not so on new moons. You gave those days over to going to visit the prophet or having the prophet come and visit you. So you could receive teaching, instruction, prayer, healing. This again shows that the new moon along with the Sabbath is separated from the six work days. Albert Barnes, one of my favorite commentators on the Bible, old Presbyterian guy, 17, 1800s. He states on 2 Kings 4.23, quote, New moon, by the law, the first day of each month was to be kept holy. Offerings were appointed for such occasions, Numbers 28.11-15, and they were among the days on which the silver trumpets were to be blown, Numbers 10.10, 10, Psalm 81.3. Hence, new moons are frequently joined with Sabbaths. See Isaiah 1.13, Ezekiel 45.17, Hosea 2.11, and 1 Chronicles 23.31, end of quote. One final passage that associates the new moon with the annual and weekly feasts is found in the apostolic scriptures, the New Testament. We'll throw one out here for our New Testament brothers and sisters that like the New Testament. (laughs) You got any verses in the New Testament, Brother Matthew? (laughs) They ask me that all the time, and I'm thinking, what about the first 75% of the Bible? Is that not good enough? Does that not count? But we're going to give you a New Testament verse here. Colossians 2.16, I'm not going to go into it real deep because that's not my purpose today, but it says this, Let no one therefore judge you in eating or in drinking or with respect to a feast day or a new moon or a Sabbath day. Most of the time when Christians quote this verse to us, traditional Christianity, they think it's saying if they don't keep these days, we're not supposed to judge them. I would say that the verse is talking to people who do keep these days and saying don't let outsiders or other people judge you for the way that you're doing these days. Uh, I could teach a whole message on Colossians chapter 2. But my point here is that there's a digression of events mentioned here in regards to special times. Special times. Let no one judge you in respect or regard of the feast days. That's the yearly. Passover. Unleavened bread, Pentecost, tabernacles, they happen about once a year, right? The new moons, now we're going down, that's the monthly. Or of the Sabbath, that's the weekly. And some say the eating or drinking is the meat and the drink offerings. That's possible. Or it could just be talking about eating and drinking at these feasts. I kind of lean towards that second interpretation, but be that as it may. This verse would make no sense if the new moon is just a regular day on which we're allowed to do all of our own work. Uh, This passage teaches us 
I believe not to let anyone outside the body of the Messiah to judge or condemn us for our regard towards the special days of Yahweh. One of these special days is the new moon. Now, I don't have a scholar to quote on this text because all of the commentaries that I pull up think that this verse, at least the ones that I thought about pulling up, think this verse teaches the new moons and Sabbaths and feasts are done away with. They're abolished. There are some scholars that don't take that view. I just didn't take the time to incorporate them into this lesson. But I do want to tell you a little story about a man that tried to stunt me one time by using this verse. It's a British theologian, a British scholar. He's actually a friend of mine. At the time, he was a professor at Atlanta Bible College. And we were at a debate together. And at the end of the debate, we got to talking. And one of the things we talked about was the law of Moses. And he said, so you think you keep the law of Moses? I said, uh, I was young and zealous now. I told him, I said, I don't think I keep it. I do keep it. <laughs> Some people think that you can't keep it, but that's just not true. There's so many verses in the Bible saying this person kept the commandments or this person was zealous for the Torah. You know, so you can keep the commandments. Um, he said, well, uh, I bet I can tell you a commandment that you don't keep. And I said, well, go ahead. It's not going to bother me because if you show me a commandment that I don't keep, then I'll just admit I don't keep that one. I need to work on keeping that one. I'm not going to say the law of Moshe is done away with. And he said, well, do you keep the new moons? And boy, I was glad I kept the new moons, Jim. <laughs> because I, I smiled at him and I said, yep, I do keep the new moons. And he said, well, at least you're consistent. In that beautiful British accent, everybody sounds smarter when they speak in a British accent, right? And uh, But very similar thing happened to Brother TJ uh, when he used to live over there beside me when I... A Jehovah's Witness hemmed him up there on his front steps, he said, and they thought they were going to get him because they said, he said that guy looked at him and pointed, he said, I know a commandment you don't keep. TJ basically said the same thing that I told the professor. TJ said, well, if you show me a commandment I don't keep, it's, you know, I'll just repent and I'll do my best to start keeping it. Doesn't prove the law's been done away with. And he said, uh, he said, get ready. I'm about to show you. And he said, the new moon, and TJ said, he smiled real big. He said, I keep the new moon. He said, that guy grabbed his head. He said, oh, my goodness. <laughs> I finally, I've been knocking on so many doors. And I finally found somebody that actually practices the, the Bible, practices the law. TJ said he was a real nice guy. And he got to share with him some more after that. Let's wrap this up. We asked at the beginning of the lesson today, how holy is the new moon? Well, we learn in Bible study from direct commands, approved examples, and necessary inferences. We don't just learn by direct command. That's one way that we learn. It's a great way. But we also learn by approved examples. And then sometimes we learn by necessary inferences. We, we read a text over and over and over, forwards, backwards, Hebrew, Greek. We read it and we come away and we say, there's no other way I can understand the verse. It's necessarily inferring this particular teaching. Well, what I think that we've learned, or I'll put it like this, what I learned in my studies back then and what I've held on to even to this day is that the new moon is a day of worship. It's often mentioned with the Sabbath. It's amazing how many times you won't just see new moon by itself. You will see sometimes new moon by itself. But you'll see new moons and Sabbaths. Sabbaths and new moons. I think you're always trying to teach us something there. I'll get more into that in my Sabbath sermon here in just a little bit. <laughs> but I think you're always teaching us something there. We also learned, or I also learned, that the new moon is a day of special offerings to Yahweh. We're talking about sacrifices on an, on an altar. I then learned that the new moon is a day to consult an elder or a prophet for instruction or prayer. And so I'm not out doing my own thing on new moon. I'm taking time to talk with holy men. Or a prophetess, holy women, because there are prophetesses in Scripture too. The new moon is a day to refrain from gainful employment, making money. That's a big one for a lot of people. It's hard to accept for a lot of people. I understand. I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not throwing off on anybody whether you're here or listening by the live stream. If you're not there yet, but I would just ask you to take especially the text in Amos 8, 1 through 6, into deep consideration. Um, 
And then we learn that Yahweh's people will worship on the new moon and Sabbath in the future. In addition to this, we might add that a special meal may be in order on the new moon. This is evident in the account of 1 Samuel 20. We didn't go over 1 Samuel 20. It's a long chapter, but the new moon is mentioned several times in there. And basically, they're having this big banquet, this big feast on the new moon. And it has to be special or different because, you know, we all eat every day, right? Minus the days that we fast, but we're eating. But on the new moon, it's special. A lot of times, Tisha will wake up early on new moon and make this big breakfast for the family. It'll get done and she'll say, hey, new moon breakfast is ready. We all go in there and eat a big new moon breakfast to celebrate the the new moon with a special uh, meal. And that may be in order. And uh, Jonathan and David talk about it there in 1 Samuel 20. It should be noted, it should be noted that the new moon does not carry the exact same restrictions as the weekly Sabbath. It's not considered one of the six working days but it's equally not the Sabbath. Uh, I don't necessarily have a problem calling it a Sabbath or sometimes in discussions or witnessing about it, I'll tell people, I see it as a soft Sabbath. And I'll explain a little bit as I, as I go on. and I'm, I'm closing out, I promise, over the Bible study. But it doesn't carry the same restrictions. And we see this to be the case in finding certain actions which took place on the new moon which would not be taking place on Sabbath. For instance, travel, Ezra 7, verse 9. Ezra left Babylon on a new moon and arrived in Jerusalem on a new moon. That really wasn't something that was done on Sabbath. Exodus 16, they were not to go out to gather the manna on Sabbath. They were to remain in their place on Sabbath. Acts chapter 1, TJ will be getting to this, I'm sure, in his study on Acts. It speaks of a Sabbath day's journey, which, to simplify that down, basically was the average different distance from um, a first century Jewish person's home to the local synagogue. In other words, we're traveling on Sabbath to go worship, and then we're coming back. Um, sometimes in Jewish communities up in Atlanta, and I've worked for them before, um, in order to kind of get around that, if the synagogue's too far from their house, they'll they'll stretch this this string or this rope at the top of the entrance to the subdivision so that they can count their Sabbath day's journey from that rope to the synagogue instead of from their house to the synagogue. (laughs) Because inside that rope, they still consider their dwelling. So once they get to that rope, then the Sabbath day's journey starts and they walk to the synagogue. My point is, is that in ancient times, travel usually wasn't done on Sabbath. I don't think that we should travel on Sabbath now unless it's for a religious purpose, or if we're doing good, like visiting the sick or, or, or the needy. So, obviously, I drove four miles to get to Sabbath service here, crunked my car up. Some people say that I was igniting a fire on the Sabbath. I don't think that's what the Torah is talking about. Uh, but I'm going off on a rabbit trail. Another thing that was done on New Moon that I don't think would have been done on Sabbath is taking of a census, Numbers 1, 1 through 2. And then in Exodus 40, we see that the tabernacle was reared up on the new moon. Exodus 41 through 2. I think that's significant, um, but I don't think that will be something that was done on the Sabbath. There were priestly duties that continued on Shabbat. Uh, for instance, the offerings, which if you've never slaughtered an animal and put it on some type of an altar or uh, a burner, let me tell you, it's work. Well, the priest had to do these offerings on on Shabbat. And so there were priestly things done on Shabbat. But I don't think we see rearing up of the tabernacle would have been done on Shabbat. However, just because these activities can take place on New Moon and not Sabbath doesn't decrease the holiness that the New Moon has in and of itself. All of Yahweh's appointments don't have the same restrictions, but they're still all Holy, they're still all binding. Let me give you an example. Both the weekly Sabbath day and the day of atonement, Yom Kippur, in, in Hebrew scripture, they're both called Shabbat. But Yom Kippur arguably is the most holy day of the year. And one restriction that Yom Kippur has that Shabbat doesn't have is the affliction of the soul or the self-denial. Traditionally, that's been understood primarily as don't eat or drink on Yom Kippur. Also, grooming traditionally wasn't done. And intimate relations between a husband and wife, that was for on 
on Day of Atonement as well. The point is, is that Day of Atonement has stricter restrictions than the weekly Sabbath does. Does that mean the weekly Sabbath's holiness in and of itself decreases? No, it's still holy. We keep it holy. But the atonement we keep more strict. New moon is the same way. New moon is not as restrictive as weekly Sabbath or day of atonement, but it still has its restrictions and we keep it holy. As we've seen, the new moon does have certain requirements that are not the same with the Sabbath, or the Sabbath has further requirements, but the new moon does have certain requirements that are the same as the Sabbath. In the general sense, I think new moon can fall under the category of a Sabbath, even though it's not the Sabbath. And that concludes my presentation for the holiness of the new moon today. Before we close out with a word of prayer and get ready for our Sabbath service where I will be preaching on lunar Sabbaths, does anybody have any questions or comments? Sister Caitlin. Uh, that's fine. I, yeah, yeah. You're, if you do have a question, we are live. Yeah. No, I was going to ask you to go back on a slide and see whatever the video was. Sure. Over. It was a slide that had a list of other. It had First Samuel twenty five through six. It was on the left. There were a list of other scripture. It was okay. Several back. It was after Amos. Okay. And four numbers. If that helps. Okay. Yep, we'll find it. We'll find it, and I, and I, I can uh, maybe text it to you or something like that. Brother Jeff. So the new moon don't always fall on the Sabbath, but sometimes it does fall on the Sabbath, or does it always fall on the Sabbath? Never falls on the Sabbath. Never falls on the Sabbath. Yeah. So the new moon, just just like the new moon is not one of the six work days, the new moon is not the Sabbath. A lot of people that object to how we believe in lunar Sabbatarianism think that we believe the new moon is like the Sabbath, like new moons and Sabbaths are the same thing. And I can only say that they just really haven't, they haven't spent enough time maybe talking to one of us. Um, but no, the new moon never falls on Sabbath. The new moon is a day of its own. It's not a work day. It's not a Sabbath day. It's, it's a new moon day. And they never, they never, okay. No. Yep. Sister Caitlin. Sure, sure. So the new moon, Brother Jeff, is like day number one of the month, and then you have one working day, two working days, three, six working days, and then you have the seventh day, Sabbath, that's actually the eighth day of the month. So it's like oh, yeah. new moon is number one, number eight is Sabbath, and 15 is 21, 29. So that's why they never fall on the same number, because you can't have the first day and the Sabbath, the Sabbath is on the seventh yeah. day. Sister Claudia? Um, I'm not sure if I'm not completely sure if I understand exactly what you're asking, but I'll I'll make a comment and see if that brother Mike, you want to clarify? Yeah, I think she's saying is it, are, the, are the guidelines the same when it's a two day? Okay, that's what I thought she was asking. So this is an area that I believe I believe is what we'll call a gray area in Scripture. Some things in Scripture are black and white, easy to see, clear. I think that's a gray area. It can be shown in 1 Samuel 20 that they did, they had two days of feasting sometimes at the new moon. That doesn't necessarily mean they kept both of those days the same way. So there are some lunar Sabbatarians that observe uh, the last Sabbath of the month and whenever there's a, a month with 30 days long where you have day 30 and day 1, they'll observe like both of those days, like a 48-hour new moon space of time period. Uh, there are other lunar Sabbatarians that would observe day 30 as a work day and then day 1 as a new moon. I, and I think that's a legitimate way to understand as well. I think that should be an area where we acknowledge the Bible doesn't really come out and tell us for sure. It's gray. So, you know, even if you're keeping, you know, two days of, of feasting at the new moon, doesn't necessarily mean both of those days have the same holiness. It's like if, let's say, you and your husband... You, your anniversary rolls around, and you leave to go on your anniversary trip, but you leave the day before your anniversary. So you're excited, and you're celebrating, and you're driving, 
but the next day is real special to you because that's the day that you got married on. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So you kind of kept two days, but not the same way. See what I'm saying? Yeah, the, the the Bible really doesn't tell us. It doesn't tell us specifically. So it doesn't, contrary to our objectors, it doesn't interrupt anything. It doesn't mess us up. Even if you consider it to be one working day, there's there's nothing in the Bible saying that we can't have one day of work in between two holy days. As a matter of fact, Saturday Sabbatarianism oftentimes will have one day of work or two or three or four days of work in between their Sabbaths when the feast days roll around. So it's a great question, and uh, that's that's kind of where I'm at right now on that. Brother Sandy. Yes, sir. On your machine, can you go back to Colossians? Yes, 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 yes. Let's see. I like how you call it a machine, brother. <laughs> I like that. Let's see. Is that good? Uh, you said there were two interpretations on that. Yes. There's actually a third. Okay. If you look close, it says a feast, a new moon, or Sabbath. There's commandments for each of those. Mm. But if you keep the context, the eating and drinking would be dietary commandments. Okay. So, okay. remember people were telling you something was done away with the eating and drinking dietary habits of 14 and 11 in Leviticus and Deuteronomy. They were telling them they were done away with. Mm, interesting. Uh, so Very interesting. When you do it, you have five things, but they all have commandment, 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 mm. commandment. Very good, Brother Sandy. Thank you for that. And there's another thing, too. Uh, when it comes to... Uh, Mayberry, it always taught really good values. Sure. So that shows you that Barney and his girlfriend were lunar keepers. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. I really wish that was true. (laughs) Because I'm a big Barney Five fan. Hallelujah. I always appreciate Brother Sandy's humor. Anybody else before we... Sister Kim? This may be off topic. I'm not sure. Contemplated why in Amos when the gates are open and shut on uh-huh. uh, Sabbath and the moon versus work days. Mm-hmm. Why are the gates shut at all when they did the daily sacrifices daily and people could come? Okay. Okay, that's a good question. So if we go to Ezekiel 46, Ezekiel um, yeah, or, I see what you're saying about Amos, but you, you mentioned the gates. So the, the Ezekiel 46 is specifically noticed the gate of the inner court that looks toward the east. So, the inner yes. So when you read the last eight chapters of Ezekiel, which to my understanding is, is future. My understanding is this a millennium kingdom mm-hmm. passes there at the end of the book of Ezekiel. I could be wrong on that. That's, that's what I see. There's several gates that are mentioned and there's this one specific one, the gate of the inner court that looks toward the east. I can give you kind of some hypothesis on that, but I won't go there. Um, it shut on six working days, but open on Sabbath and new moon. So it doesn't necessarily mean every gate in the temple or whatever was shut on the six working days. So it, 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 does the inner gate house where the sacrifices were to be made, or they would be outside that inner gate? It look. It looks like. I don't, I don't want to answer. I'm not for sure. Okay. I, I do know at the end of verse 3, the people of the land shall worship at the door of that gate mm-hmm. before Yahweh on the Sabbath and the new moon. So I think in the future that's the gate that will worship before Yahweh when we when we go to him on Sabbath or go there on Sabbath and new moons. But let me look at, let me look at, uh, what was the question again right before that? Just if, is, is the, are the sacrifices done inside the inner okay. gate okay. or would they, or is the yeah. inner gate I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a good question. I don't know the answer, um, but I'll look at it, and it's it'll be we'll find it somewhere in chapters 40 through 48. Good question. Good question. Anybody else before we close out? I appreciate your attentiveness. I enjoyed teaching this lesson. It is. This lesson is the stepping stone to my additional lesson tonight. So when we get to the additional lesson, all you guys will be then graduated and be better listeners to the additional lesson. 
And the other people will be like, what's he talking about? What's he talking about? So, may Yahweh bless you. Let's pray and then we'll, we'll close out. Heavenly Father, we love you, we thank you, and we praise you. Thank you so much, Yahweh Father, for a good understanding. I pray, Yahweh, we would never think that we've arrived at a complete and full understanding, but that we would continue to seek and search and knock. We do thank you for the new moon. We thank you for the Sabbath. We love you, Yahweh. You're a good creator to reveal these things to us. Yahweh, Father, help me to be able to have the same excitement and zeal at times that I once had when I first learned of these things. Sometimes we go through the motions and things become more ordinary to us that really shouldn't be. So I pray, Yahweh, that this would help me, this lesson would help me and anybody else that needs to be re-excited as well. Bless the service here in just a little bit. Give me strength in singing and in teaching again. And I just pray that you'd be glorified in all that we say and do. For it is through your Son, Yeshua, that I pray. Amen.